You're listening to another episode of HC Daily, a daily devotional podcast that you can listen to at home or on the go. We believe that you can grow as much as you want to grow spiritually, and this podcast can be a part of your daily growth plan. So, whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify, or your favorite podcast app, we're glad you're here. Now, let's join our hosts, Jeff Forrester and Chris Zarbaugh in the studio. So, Chris, today we're talking about the greatest story ever told. Resurrection. It's the biggest moment in human history. And uh, so, having just celebrated Easter a few mm. days ago, uh, what is uh, some family tradition you guys have for Easter? Do you have any interesting yeah. well, Easter? Because well, everybody... ours is we go to church on Easter Sunday. That's it. That's your yeah, tradition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, every, most everybody who knows me knows that we hide the Easter baskets. But honestly, another one that is less commonly known, that is very popular among the Italians is that we do Easter egg fighting. So we actually boil Easter eggs, and then we decorate them, and then obviously hard-boiled Easter eggs. And what we do is we choose a champion of all the ones that we have. Okay. And, I, and at home, we make uh, brackets, like, like, like sports brackets. Okay. Uh-huh. And everybody submits, and then they crack the eggs, and whenever one cracks, the other one oh, loses. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And we get all the way to a champion at the end. And, we, wow. and not only that, but we have families who leave their home and come to our home, and we add them in the brackets so this year we have like three families. So you can who came f- over. So your eggs fight, and you're trying to crack. Yeah, there's there's a lot cracked there. I don't know if it's just <laughs> eggs, buddy. You guys, are, is this is an Italian thing? Uh, uh, Greek, Italian, yeah, that yeah. that's that sort of realm. Okay, and then yeah. what do you do with all those cracked eggs? Oh, we eat them. You eat them. Ooh, it's a yeah. rough week. <laughs> yeah, it's a great week. <laughs> okay, man. Well, hey, uh, that sounds great. Let's uh, let's move on. No, it does. It sounds like fun. We should. We should start a new tradition at my house like you, that. You mock what you do not understand. I guess so. I'm, <laughs> I'm uh, making fun. Okay. Well, uh, I think we had somebody on one of the comments recently when you had asked, do you think like I think? And I said, I don't think so. Yeah. We had somebody say, make, make fun of that, right? And uh, I just think we're just different is all. Yeah. We're just different. We're not the same people. And that's why we are able to make this podcast uh, unique. Yeah. Some of us are better looking than the other. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, that was really nice. And you're so kind as well. That was really great. Well, let's uh, let's move on. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 24 because we've been uh, kind of moving through a big portion of the Gospels covers the last few days of Jesus' life, right? Yeah. And so now here we are just picking up Luke chapter 24. We're going to read the first verse and we'll go on through uh, like verse 35. It says, but very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and they would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings, and then he went home again, wondering what had happened. 
That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things? Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning. They came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they'd seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. And then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? And then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he was going on, but they begged him, Stay the night with us, since it's getting late. So he went home with them, and he sat down to eat, and he took the bread and blessed it, and then he broke it and gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were open, and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, Didn't our hearts burn within us as we as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And when, within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. And then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking bread. Mm. So it can be surprising to some people to find out that Jesus had other disciples besides just the 12, right? Yeah. So you have Cleopas here and some other guy. Uh, in the previous one, it talked about how um, uh, Peter and another disciple who had access to the high priest is probably yeah. Nicodemus or Joseph of Arimathea, one of those guys. Pretty amazing that Jesus had lots of other disciples besides just those 12. Yeah. Well, what's interesting about that particular word, disciples, is that uh, it's used interchangeably for two different things. Yes. So sometimes what they say is they'll say the 12 disciples. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows what they're really meaning is the chosen 12 apostles. Right. So the word, it's interesting because not every disciple is an apostle, but every apostle is a disciple. Right. Because disciple means follower of Jesus. Right. And so everybody was referred to as a disciple, everybody who followed and believed in Jesus. And yet 12 were chosen as the 12 apostles. And what's interesting is that so many times in the scriptures, they use it interchangeably. Yes. Because the, they were also, the apostles were disciples. Anyway, you get the drift. So they say the 12 disciples, I wish they would have sort of only used the word apostles for the 12. Right. Right. Well, the apostolic thing didn't happen until, you know, uh, the church began. So prior to that, they were always the disciples. Mm. Right. And then then that that's what happened. So uh, what's cool about it is everybody who's a follower of Jesus today is a disciple. Right. Right. So you think of Peter and Paul or Peter and John and Matthew, these disciples, Cleopas here. Well, if you're a follower of Christ, you're a disciple too. And uh, it's a great privilege to be a student of the Master. Right. right? That's really what that is. Yeah, so it's really great to see Jesus starting in Jerusalem 
And then it says that, you know, it's seven miles away. It gives us the distance, right? Mm-hmm. So how long does it take you to run a mile or to walk a mile? So Longer than I want to admit these days. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, so a person really in good yeah. shape, which I'm sure they were, uh, you run a mile in seven minutes, six minutes, whatever it yeah. is, right? You walk a mile, you're, you're looking at 20, probably 20 minutes uh, over, over terrain on yeah. a dirt road, mm-hmm. up and down hills, maybe 30 minutes. So you're, you're talking about a pretty long walk. Right. And it says that because Jesus- Because that, that's just one mile and they went seven. They went seven, right? Yeah, yeah. So all just a couple th- hours. A few hours. Yeah, definitely a few hours. Uh, All that to say this. So imagine if you're them and your conversation starts with Jesus and probably almost immediately within the first 10 minutes, Jesus is like, what things? What things? Which, by the way, I love. Yeah, I love it. It's funny. It's It's, it's a funny thing. (laughs) It is funny. Because these guys are walking along and they're all commiserating and they're so confused. Hey, what are you all talking about? (laughs) Jesus just steps in. They don't know. What are you guys talking about? You haven't heard about all these things? Yeah. And and he gets them to tell them their version. Yeah. Okay. So that probably, how long does that take? You know, we we just read it in a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, all that, here's my point. For the rest of that journey... Jesus walks them through the Old Testament and reminds them of the teachings of Moses and all the prophets yeah. concerning himself, which, by the way, is sort of, you know, what, what we've been doing here, you know? Right. But he does it in a way that's got to be pretty superlative. Oh, it would have been perfect. It was phenomenal. So yeah. imagine you being on the receiving end. And so that and so they said, weren't our hearts burning? Yeah. And that conversation lasts all the way. So imagine the, the coaching that these guys have after the resurrection. Yeah. And Jesus, you know, telling them all those things, man. Well, he, he helped them put it all together. Because yes. this, this this is the first time that we have any disciples that have really put it all together. Mm-hmm. They're still confused. Hey, let's be clear. You know, one of the great arguments against the resurrection for throughout history has been, oh, well, the disciples came and stole the body. The disciples would have had no reason to steal a body because they had no concept of the resurrection. They didn't understand it was going to happen. They did not understand what Jesus was saying. Right. The, 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 the women didn't understand. Mm-hmm. So why would they steal a body? There'd be no reason to steal a body unless you were trying to fake a resurrection. But they didn't believe in the resurrection. Yeah. Right? And then they were shocked when Jesus shows up. Yeah. And we learned, we learned on Easter that, uh, that uh, each disciple died yeah. for their faith. Right. And Except so, for John. Except for John, right? right. That's correct. Right. Uh, but uh, no disciple dies or no man dies for a lie. Right. So isn't it interesting how uh, when they were faced with either being beheaded or, you know, being, you know, crucified or being, you know, dragged behind a horse until they were dead right. and all the different ways in which they were they were killed, uh, you know, being put in a furnace. I mean, all, all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Nowhere is it recorded where they just said, no, no, hang on. Yeah. Just kidding. We stole the body. Right. Or we lied. Right. Because nobody dies for that. No. But they gave their lives because they saw a resurrected Jesus. So then this Cleopas and this other disciple who doesn't even get named, mm-hmm. Jesus puts it together, all together for them first. So sometimes we can minimize our own role. Mm-hmm. We can minimize, well, I'm not Peter. I'm not Matthew. I'm not, you know, John. And Jesus didn't go to Peter, Matthew, and John to put it all together first. He goes to Cleopas and some other guy. Right. And he says, I, I think he probably, this is my opinion, 
started in Genesis chapter 3, the first time the Messiah is, you know, the Redeemer is is mentioned. I think he probably took him through um, to Abraham with Isaac on the altar. I think he probably took him on through the the Levitical lamb, the Day of Atonement, the tabernacle, and all the things that are involved there. He took him on into the book of Psalms, referring to the Messiah dying, taking him on to to Isaiah 53, um, pointing out what the the you know the suffering servant is going to be, because it says he took him all the way through the Old Testament to about him, the the elements that were about him. So you just you just mentioned all of our previous podcasts. Yeah, yeah, that's so, what I'm saying. That's so, what we were doing. So, ladies and gentlemen, listening, you just received for the last several days the 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 road to Emmaus. Maybe so you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Only he did it perfectly, and right. we kind of stumbled through it ineffectively. <laughs> right. Jesus was very convincing hey, in his way. Uh, to, to your point that you just said, uh, don't think that you're insignificant because Jesus revealed himself to these guys and yeah. explained it. Yeah, uh, isn't that sort of full full circle? Because he appeared to shepherds, sure, and and at the very beginning. Yep. And so, what does he do? Is you know, he he, he gives John three sixteen to one guy, Nicodemus, at night. Mm-hmm. He reveals himself for the very first time as the Messiah to a woman at the well, right. who's an outcast. Right. So he doesn't appear to the kings or the rulers no. or the significant people. What does he do? Is he he sees everybody as somebody of great worth, right? And he and he reveals great truth personally to them one on one. That's right. And that's what he does today. He, he's very personal. And he's, he doesn't uh, set himself up as, as elite, right? Mm-hmm. So he comes to the average Joe. He comes to the normal person. The person who, quite honestly, you know who he comes to? He comes to the people who know that they, they don't have any hope without him. Mm. There's no hope on their own. Yeah. Right? That's who he comes to. So this guy, um, Cleopas, you're saying, who's he? Well, it turns out he's one of the guys who's been following Jesus for a while. And the other guy who doesn't even get named right. for, for 2,000 years, he's the other guy. Hey, in heaven, he'll be like, uh, hey, I'm the guy that wasn't named. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the N- other guy. Nice to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what what an amazing thing. So Warren Wearsby, I, it's no secret, I, I love his teaching. He said, um, the, the key to understanding all of these things was in God's Word, right? Jesus didn't give some kind of new revelation he opened their eyes to what already existed in Scripture. So Warren Wiersbe says, this explains why Jesus opened the word to these two men as the three of them walked along uh, on the way to Emmaus. And he says uh, what they needed was a fresh understanding from the word of God. And Jesus gave that understanding to them. He opened the Scriptures, and he opened their eyes, and they realized that Jesus was not only alive, but right there with them. And I think that this is a, a, a common problem among Bible teachers of that day, certainly, but it is of our day as well, and and that is they. It's easy to talk about the victory and the deliverance that the Messiah was going to bring, and they could not comprehend or chose to ignore the suffering and the cross. Right. So uh, I think even today, sometimes we can talk about all of the blessings, we can talk about the victory, we can talk about all those uh, the glory and not the suffering. We can talk about the crown and not the cross. And I think that it's important for us to have our entire the, the the totality of the gospel opened up in our eyes to understand that this mission that Jesus was on was not only, you know, about making our life easy, it was about him transforming the entire world. Mm. And, you know, uh, it's also important to know in this passage was, or is, is that he uh, didn't appear to uh, the world. He didn't, uh, you know, pick mm. a place in the sky 
about maybe 200 feet up, right, right over Jerusalem, right, and said, "All of Jerusalem, hear me." Yeah. What he did was he he appeared, and there there are there is way more than enough evidence, you know, because he appeared to hundreds of people. Yeah. But at the same time, he didn't appear to everybody, and so that's the reason why he said, and we covered this on Easter as well, when when he says to Thomas, Thomas is the guy who says. Uh, you know, hey, Jesus appeared in the room. Thomas, you weren't here. It was awesome. Right. And Thomas says, I will not believe unless I see. Right. right. And then, and then, of course, you know, Thomas, of course, had the privilege mm-hmm. of Jesus appearing to him. We don't have that privilege. Uh, you know, at least, you know, nobody that I've known recently has had that privilege. If Jesus were to appear right here in this podcast room, that'd be pretty awesome. Right. It would solve a lot of things and resolve things, change my whole perspective sure. even, even more than it already is. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but he had the privilege of Jesus appearing and saying, "Touch my nail scars," and and then he says to us, uh, "Thomas, you have seen and believe. Blessed are those who uh, who have not seen and yet still believe." He's talking about us. He is. But, yeah. but I guess my point is is the fact that he only appeared to these two guys here, and and gave gave them that information. The rest have to hear about it through those two guys. Right. Just like they have to hear about it through the woman at the well. They have to hear about it through the shepherds. Right, it's the sort of the same concept, where where you and I are left with this evidence, and we say, "Man, there's enough evidence. We believe it, but we have to demonstrate faith because we've not technically seen it ourselves." Right. I, I think that that's an an issue. Now, that's the importance of the Word of God mm-hmm. for us. Right. What we have is we have the witness of God's words, and I think that this whole thing, um, one of the things we can learn through this whole passage is. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary and um, what was the other lady that was with them? I'm so sorry, I forgot. Um, Joanna and several of the other women. The angel had to say, why are you looking for Jesus? He's alive. Um, Didn't he already tell you this? Mm -hmm. Right. And he's reminding them of their, quite honestly, their poor memories because Jesus did say, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. I'm going to rise again in three days. And then they go, oh, yeah, he did. Mm Mm-hmm. Then you have the two guys, Cleopas and the other disciple, walking. They're discouraged. They're arguing. It says that they're they're arguing. They're very animated. They're frustrated. They don't even know what they're going to do next. You know, were we following a failure? Uh, what's going to happen to the kingdom? All this kind of stuff. His his other disciples were hiding. They were afraid. Peter comes back and tells them, "Yeah, the tomb's empty," but they don't even know what to do with that. Mm-hmm. They haven't put it all together yet. I think so many Christians live in defeat and maybe even depression because they don't know God's words. Mm. The only thing that set all of them free was the proof that God's words are true, right? When Jesus stepped up and said, if you only understood them, if you knew what the words say. And I think that this is one of the things we commend people for spending time in God's word every day through the devotional. Uh, Hopefully you're reading the Bible regularly on your own. Um, These things are so important to get more and more of God's words in your mind. When you do, you become more and more convinced that God's always true and he's always mm. right. And I think it removes a lot of that fear of what about tomorrow. Yeah. Right? The, he's resurrected, but what about tomorrow? We don't know. Is our kingdom falling apart? Is what we're supposed to do now over? Right? And yeah. it was only when Jesus exposed the word of God to them that they finally became convinced that God's in control of everything. Well, he actually says, you foolish people. <laughs> yeah. So he's, he's actually talking to them. They're, they're saying... Here's what we're thinking about. Here's what we're wondering about. And probably so many people were wondering, like, is it true? Because they they laid out, like, here, then there's a story of Jesus being yeah. raised. You know, we're wondering if it's true. 
And he says, you foolish people. And it wasn't meant to be condemning. Like you're such a fool. Right. It was more like you're being foolish. Right. Because you're being so silly. You're yeah. Because yeah. what you because you don't understand that God's word will clear everything up. Right. And then yeah. he goes on to explain it to them. And so yeah, it's the same with us. Uh, you know, it, you know what it reminds me of. Here, here are these two guys talking, and they're wondering about you know some some you know group of events. They have they have this much information, and they're talking about it, right? right and right. they're arguing, and they're wondering. It, it reminds me of today. I saw a comedian recently. It was on like TikTok where he said. Um, you know, it's amazing how uh, people's opinions used to be argued against people's opinions, but now people argue their opinions against people's facts. Oh, right. And they'd say, well, oh, this is a fact. They're like, well, my opinion, I think you're wrong because this is my opinion. <laughs> you know, it's like, how foolish are we? Right. And, and so that's what this comedian was saying. Yeah. He's saying, what a sad state of, of uh, that we're in in this world when people's opinions have somehow become... Uh, you know, they, they they justify it trumping the fact, and that's all God's doing. Yeah, is He's saying stop stop talking about your opinions of what happened, and let's take a look at the facts. Yeah, what's written in God's word. Well, I think it's so sad when God's people forget, or or worse, don't even know God's words and God's promises, and then they live those defeated, sad lives. Mm. Right, as opposed to knowing that all the freedom you're looking for, I believe, is in in God's word and the application of God's word in your life, and so. Then what happens is once they do see this, the disciples get on fire. When the Holy Spirit comes on them, we're going to talk about this, uh, Mary Magdalene, the other women, they couldn't stop telling people about what happened afterwards, right? Yeah. Um, but it was because they finally became convinced that what God says is going to happen, happens. Yeah. And, you know, when you said they live sad lives, that isn't meant to be uh, disrespectful. It's it's sad because it has no hope. Right, right. right? It's, it's, hopeless. It's, it's hopeless. It's frustrated. It's uh, you know Jesus talks about how he would look at the people and he would weep because they looked like sheep without any shepherds. Right. They just don't even know where we're going. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying you're walking around miserable all the time, although maybe. But right. it's more like wandering, just trying to figure life. Out. I can't figure life out. Well, God's words tell you how to live. God's words tell you the best hmm. way. Jesus shows us the best way to live. And then we just wander around because we don't know his words. We wander around like we don't have a shepherd. And yeah. he's the good shepherd. He's the perfect shepherd. He's yeah. the perfect one to guide us on the life that we're looking for. Yeah. yeah. So as we wrap this up, because um, we're coming to a close, uh, you know, obviously this is the resurrection story. We've really focused on what happened afterwards on the walk to Emmaus. But uh, thinking about the resurrection... It's because he lives. That's what it is. Exactly. It's because he lives. Uh, what's the song say? Oh, I can face tomorrow. I can face tomorrow. Yeah. All fear is gone. Yeah. Uh, because he lives, I know he holds the future in his hands. That's right. And life's worth living all because he lives. That's right. Did I get that right? Yeah, pretty close. Yeah, pretty close. <laughs> Bill, Gaither, Bill Gaither will send you a, a thing now and you have to pay royalties because you quoted. Yes, book. yes, I yeah. agree. Hey, listen, uh, join us tomorrow as we tackle what topic? We are talking tomorrow about how Jesus appears to disciples and ascends back to heaven. So it's his ascension. Okay, we'll see you then. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help us spread the word by liking this episode and sharing it on your social media platforms. Be sure to leave a comment and review, and don't forget to give us five stars. When you do, you help us reach even more people who need a daily devotional like HC Daily. If you'd like to hear more from Chris and Jeff, they're both teaching pastors at Heritage Church, located in Southeast Michigan. You can get more of their messages by clicking on the Messages tab at heritagechurch.com. Be sure to join us again soon for another episode of HC Daily.